We're looking at the subject. It's all about people from Philippians chapter number one uh, in our Bibles. Temperature is uh, an interesting thing. Uh, my wife regularly says to me after the morning service, it was cold in there this morning. <laughs> How many of you ladies have complained to your husbands, it was cold in that auditorium this morning? Temperature is an important thing. It's either hot, too hot, too cold. And, uh, and temperature can sometimes have some impact on how we feel. Our enjoyment. We derive uh, enjoyment from having a temperature that's comfortable to us. And sometimes we abbreviate temperature with the letters T-E-M-P. It's the temperature of the room. It's the temperature of the family. It's the temperature of the office. It's the te- you know, it's not only in degrees. Sometimes it's in feelings and emotions. The temperature that permeates relationships. A relationship that is warm and comfortable. Or a relationship that is frigid. Temperature, when it comes to relationships, is vital in any relationship, in any place where people are together. And relationships are what life is made out of, isn't it? It's our relationships with our family, relationships at church, in the neighborhood, at work, at school, in recreation. I mean, relationships either make or break life many times. As we prepare this final Sunday morning in preparation for our 25th anniversary, I want us to think about the relationships that we have that make the atmosphere of Community Baptist Church what it is. What's the temperature here in the church? Now, I'm not speaking about degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. What's the atmosphere of this church family? What's the temperature here at Community Baptist Church? It's all about atmosphere, relationships. And as we've we typically... Uh, abbreviate temperature with the letters T-E-M-P, we're going to use those four letters this morning. You remember when you were a kid and you used to play with alphabet blocks? And each alphabet block had a letter on it, wooden block. At least when I was a kid, they were wooden blocks. I don't know what they are now. Still wooden blocks. And they got these block letters on them. and, And you'd take these letters and these these wooden blocks and you'd arrange them in an order to spell a word and make something meaningful and those building blocks would reveal some word well i want us to think about the word the abbreviation temp the temperature of the atmosphere of a church family the book of philippians is an amazing missionary treatise that portrays the relationship between a missionary who happens to be the missionary who had planted this church, the relationship he has with this church, and the relationships of the members of this church that they have one with another. 
And the book of Philippians is one of the warmest of the New Testament epistles. It's a letter that, that speaks of the relationships within a church family that are meaningful and strong and healthy. And the relationship that that church had to the pastor that had planted that church. The great missionary treatise of the book of Philippians is a tremendous manual on church unity, relationships, and growth. It is saturated with the word and the concept of joy. You read joy over and over again, rejoicing over and over again. So much so that many times commentators who write a commentary on the book of Philippians will say that the theme of Philippians is joy. It's a joyous letter. But the reason it's a joyous letter is because of the unity that existed, because of the atmosphere that existed within the church family that resulted in great joy that was so beneficial. And so understanding the powerful truths contained in Philippians is a, uh, it, it makes a wonderful, wonderful study. And it begins, this, this letter of Philippians begins by examining the relationship that existed amongst the people. Uh, the Apostle Paul made three statements he opens this letter by declaring, I have you on my mind, and I have you in my heart, and I have you in my prayers. This was a precious, close relationship that the Apostle Paul is talking about. And that sets the foundation, it introduces us to this great missionary treatise. Amongst missionary and the church that he had planted. And by the way, you know, the church got out to a rocky start. You remember when Paul was over in Asia Minor trying to go up in this direction to the north to plant churches. And the Spirit of God wouldn't allow him, so he tried to go to the south to plant churches. And the Spirit of God blocked him and wouldn't let him. And he was, God, where do you want me to go? And he saw a vision. You remember what he saw? He saw a Macedonian man saying, come on over and help us. And so Paul went down to, to uh, the seacoast and he jumped in a ship and he sailed across the Aegean Sea and he, and he landed in Neapolis and went right up to the big major city of Philippi. And you know what he didn't find? He didn't find a man from Macedonia Inviting him to come. Instead, he found a businesswoman. He found a demon-possessed woman. He got thrown into jail, and he met finally a man, a Roman man. And this church did not get started with, uh, with the, maybe what the Apostle Paul had in his mind it was going to be like when this Macedonian man said, Come on over and help us. We want help. And he ended up over there, and he ended up in jail with his back beaten raw. I mean, it got a rough start. And yet, what emerged out of that church plant was a phenomenal church family. A wonderful relationship that Paul had with them. They're on his mind. As he writes this letter, he's sitting in another jail in Rome. 
And while he's sitting in a jail in Rome, maybe he got to remember it about when he's sitting in a jail in Philippi. I don't know. He says, you're on my mind. You're in my heart. And I'm praying for you. This was a precious relationship. Now, let's, uh, let's look a little, bit, uh, a little bit closer to our text here in Philippians chapter 1. And let's assign a building block to, uh, to some different words that we run across. Look at these verses with me. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3, we read, I thank my God upon every remembrance. You can put down the letter M. He remembers them. He's mindful of them. He's thinking about them. They're on his mind. In verse number four, he says, always in every prayer of mine, he's praying for them. That fits with the letter P. In verse number four, he also said, making requests with joy. He has joy in his heart. That's an emotion. That's the letter E. In verse number 7, he says, it is, even as it is meet for me to think this of you. They were back to the mind again. He's thinking about them. They're on his mind. Verse 7 also says, it's meet, it's fitting, it's appropriate for me to think this of you because I have you in my heart. You're in my heart. There's the emotions again. His feelings, his heart. And then in verse number 8, he says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. They, in that culture, they use the word bowels of the internal organs from which the seat of one's feelings are. You can feel it in your gut. We would say, I can feel it in my heart. The internal organs which seem to be the, the center of our feelings. What we feel. And he said, I, I feel for you. I long after you in the heart, emotions of Jesus Christ. So we're back with E. And so we've got this great relationship described here. And um, he's got him on his mind. He's got him in his prayers. He's got him in his heart. Got him in his heart. But the letters are all mixed up. M. P-E-M-E-E. That doesn't spell temp. They're all mixed up. Oh, there's a letter missing. What's, what's missing? What? T is missing. Got all the other letters, but we don't have T. But before we get T, let's sort out these other letters and get them in a better, a better order. If you look at verse number 3... Verse number three says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. They were on his mind before they were in his prayers. They were on his mind before he prayed for them. You never pray for someone that's off your mind. You only pray for those you're thinking about. They're on his mind. And because they're on his mind, they're in his prayers. Look at verse number 7. Verse 7 says, It's meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. It's appropriate that I would be thinking of you because you were already in my heart. 
You don't think of someone that you don't have some kind of a relationship with. The emotion comes before the mind. The feeling comes before the thinking. And so when you put those in the proper order that we find them here in Philippians 1, you've got, you're on my heart. And so I was thinking about you. And while I was thinking about you, I, I slipped down on my knees and I began to pray for you. E-M-T. You're in my emotions. And so I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind. And so I spent some time praying for you. But we still don't have that word, that letter for T. What does the letter T stand for? Help me out. Hmm? A little bit louder? Time. The letter T is time. Now, where do we get that in our text? Where in the text is time mentioned? Anybody find it? Verse number 12. Oh, well, that's, that's way down after the text. But there is time down there. Always in verse 4? Okay, that's time related. That's what I'm looking for. What does it say? Until from the, from the first day until now. A span of time. When was the first day? Well, that's when he went to Philippi. When he began planting this church. Until now. When is now? He's sitting in Rome writing a letter. From the first day until now was a period of 12, I'm sorry, of, of 10 years. For 10 years, this relationship has grown. For 10 years, they have spent time together. They have communicated. They have worked together. For 10 years, there has been a relationship building. Do you know why he prayed for them? Because he was thinking about them. But do you know why he was thinking about them? Because they were in his heart. He loved them. Do you know why he loved them? Because he spent 10 years in a working relationship with them. Time, emotions, mind, prayer is the temperature of any church. It is the atmosphere of the organization and the organism. It is the air that permeates the space when we're together, it is the temperature of a church family. Well, what have they spent time doing? Look at verse number five. For your fellowship. Now, that word was mentioned. I think that was Nick that called out that word. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And in verse number seven, and it's me, it's appropriate that I would be thinking of you because you're in my heart. Why are they in my heart? Inasmuch as both in my bonds, he was in jail as he wrote this, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, he was in jail because of the gospel. And so he is in Rome, in jail, in the defense and the confirming of the truthfulness of the gospel that he preached. Ye all are partakers of my grace. Now the word fellowship and the word partaker are both from the same root word. 
It means to have a joint participation in a common goal. We talked about this last week when we were in 1 John chapter 1, where John talked about the gospel coming to us so that we could enter into a fellowship with God. And on the basis of our individual fellowship with God, we could have fellowship one with another. And we talked about this word fellowship. Two fellows in a ship rowing to get to the other side of the lake. Two people with a common goal to get to the other side of the lake. Each of them with a paddle in their hands. Not one paddling and the other just taking it easy. Both paddling. Both working together. Both in tandem cooperating because they have a joint participation. They're both participating in a common venture. That's what the word fellowship means. Paul talks here about the relationship that he has with this church family, that this church family has one with another, as they are joint participants in a common goal. They are partakers, they're partners, they're cooperators. They are working together in tandem as team members working for a common interest. Now, what is that interest? Well, verse number 5 says, for your fellowship in the gospel. Verse 7b says that uh, for the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers. In verse number 12, he says, but I would have, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Verse number 17, the Bible says, but but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse 27, at the end of the verse, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 15, we are, we are uh, uh, sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Chapter 3, verse number 8 the Bible says that we do all of this, that we might win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. In chapter 4, verse number 15, we read, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, 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 holding forth the word of life, shining as lights to a dark and a perverse world, you know what the relationship of the church family in Philippi revolved around? It revolved around the gospel. That was what they were all in, in the cooperation. Getting the gospel to everyone in Philippi. Getting the gospel to everyone in Caesar's household while I'm in his jail in Rome. Getting the gospel across Asia Minor and into Europe and across Europe. Getting the gospel... To the ends of the earth. That's, that's what it was all about. That's what their life was all about. That's what their relationship was all about. They, for ten years, were partners in a boat paddling to get to the other side. They were cooperating together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what form did that take? Well, in chapter 1, in verse number 7, the Apostle Paul talked about how he was defending and confirming the gospel. And he said, you are partakers, you are partners 
of my grace as I spend time in Rome standing for the defense of the gospel of Christ in a culture that threw me in jail for preaching this gospel. And I am standing for the defense of this gospel, confirming that it's true. And you entered into that labor. You became partners with me in defending the gospel of Jesus Christ to our culture, to our generation. Paul talked about this cooperation around the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In the last chapter, he talked about how they partnered with him in financial support as a missionary. In verse number 15 of the last chapter, chapter 4, he said that from the beginning, uh, no church, when he departed from Macedonia, no churches communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again. Unto my necessity. Not because I desired a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And then he described it in the next verse as an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. And he said, When you gave and you entered into a partnership with me in world evangelism by your giving to support the missionary endeavors. I wasn't wanting your money. I wanted fruit for you. And that gift of your sacrifice ascended up into heaven as a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of our God. And the next verse, one of the most misquoted verses in the New Testament, one of the most out-of-context quoted verses in the New Testament, but my God shall supply all your need According to his riches in glory. Not the needs you have because you couldn't wait to have an 80-inch color TV so you bought it on a credit card and hung it in your living room. Not that kind of debt. Not the kind of need you have because you just had to have a bigger, better car and so you went and, and, and mortgaged the next five years of your life away to be able to drive something you couldn't afford to drive. Not that kind of need. My God shall supply all your need. What need? The need that was created because you gave to missions. A little bit more than you could really afford to give. And when you give a little bit more to missions than what you can really afford to give. When you enter into that kind of a partnership to get the gospel around the world, God will take care of your needs. That's the context of the promise that God will supply all of those needs that you have. You go back and study the history of that, you see that this group of people in Philippi, Paul begged them not to give to one particular project in Jerusalem. He asked them not to give. He says, you guys can't afford it, and you're having a hard time putting food on the table. You can't. And they begged him. They said, don't tell us we can't. Please take our gift. <laughs> what a group of people these people were in Philippi. Amazing church family. And the fellowship that existed, that tied these people together into a church family was a joint participation in a common goal. The goal was the gospel to people that created a partnership that even went beyond their own community and it reached out to the lives of missionaries taking the gospel to other places. Wow. So what do we have We've got temperature, time, emotions, mind, and prayer. 
And the time we spend with people working on the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ creates an emotional bond with those people. And the emotional bond that's created when people spend time working together for the sake of the gospel, that emotional bond causes us to always be thinking about those people who are on our hearts. And because they're on our hearts, we're thinking about them. And because they're on our minds, we find ourselves praying for them. And we find that there develops an atmosphere that's inviting and warm and precious. It's the temperature of the church that's created when people spend time working together for the sake of the gospel. And they fall in love with those people. Those people are on their hearts, and then they're on their minds, and then they're praying for them. And as you think about those people, you're drawn to prayer. And you want a fun meditation this week? Meditate on verses 9 to 11. Meditate on what Paul prayed for them. It's another message entirely of its own. And it's a precious prayer. That Paul prayed for these people that he deeply loved and so thought about and so spent time praying for them. And the temperature of the church was influenced by the time spent, the love that developed, the thoughtfulness that followed, and praying one for another. Today's message is simple. Good church relationships are built when you have T-E-M-P in the right order. When you spend time as a church family working together to get the gospel to Northern Virginia and around the world. Teaching Sunday school together, singing together, going out on visitation together, teaching a class together. Anything that, that joins you to another member of CVC... That you spend time doing things together that enhances the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Anything you do with other members of CBC to focus on the gospel that Jesus has given to us builds love between you and that person. And then you find yourself thinking about them through the week. And then you find yourself praying for them. It's a very simple message. It's a very simple truth. That's illustrated in Philippians chapter 1. And so, let me just summarize it with these observations. Observation number one, prayer follows thinking. Prayer always follows thinking. You never pray for someone you're not thinking about. We pray for people who we're thinking about. The more we think about that person, the more we pray for that person. To enhance our prayer lives, we have to... To have people on our minds, thinking of them. But thinking, second observation is that thinking follows feeling. You're not generally going to be thinking a lot about people that you don't have some kind of a heart relationship with. If you're going to be thinking about them, it's because you have been emotionally 
attached to them. Because thinking follows feeling. Paul said, it's, it's only fitting. It's me that I would think this of you. It's only fitting. It's only the, the normal thing if I, that I would think of you because I have you in my heart. And so thinking always follows feeling. And observation number three is that feeling follows spending time with people. Feeling follows spending time with people. I preached this message, not exactly this message, but this process of thought first way, way back in the warehouse. In the early history of our 25 years. At the time I preached this, I was just starting to preach through Philippians on Sundays. And, and this was, I think, the second message, second or third message I preached as I introduced Philippians. And I introduced this message that, that the atmosphere of the church, the temperature of the church, depends upon us spending time together. And that time will result in our hearts being knit together. And once our hearts are knit together, we'll just find ourselves thinking about each other. And when we're thinking about each other, we'll find ourselves praying for one another. And this builds a warm atmosphere in the church. I was I preached this sermon, and shortly after that, two ladies in our church, Paula O'Brien, she used to bring this big old huge harp, play the harp on occasion. And Laura Goins, Laura will be here next week. Bobby and Laura Goins were one of the early members of Community Baptist. They started the children's ministry of Community Baptist Church. Paula O'Brien and Laura Goins had spent several hours together working on a children's program here at CBC. It happened to be Christmas time. It was a Christmas children's program. And each of these ladies individually, independently, came to me and they said to me, that they had enjoyed so much spending that time together as two ladies working on the children's ministry. They had enjoyed so much spending that time together. What were they doing? They were spending time together working together on something related to the work of the gospel. And there was enjoyment. They got to know each other. They spent time, and that time meant they got to know each other. Both of them came to me and commented about how meaningful that was to them. In that same era of history, two men, one, one man came to me by the name of Joe Kinder. Joe Kinder and his wife were members of the church way back when. And Joe Kinder said something to me, and here's what he said. He said to me, Randy Rickard is crazy. He said, when I see people in church, I, I really don't know them. But these work nights, we were at a time back in the warehouse where we were doing some construction work. And, and uh, Joe Kinder found himself spending a lot of time with Randy Rickard on some construction project for the church facility, for the church meetings. And Joe said, Randy Rickard is crazy. He said, when I see people at church, I really don't know them. But these work nights have been really good. I feel like I know these men now. He said, Randy Rickard is so quiet at church. But come to think about it, so am I. But when they got out sawing lumber and hammering nails and 
working together on projects, when they spent time together on a common goal that was related to the life of the church, they grew in their personal relationship with each other. That personal relationship with each other bore fruit regarding the atmosphere of the church. Time spent in common interest builds camaraderie and friendship and relationship. And then it translates into care, thinking, and praying for one another. And that's good for a church family. I, back when I originally preached this, I dug out my old sermon notes and I, I had written a list of things that we had apparently done that year in church. I wrote down ladies' meetings, Lancaster trip, work nights, men's breakfast, visitation, having someone over for supper, after church at Wendy's. You remember going to Wendy's after church? Um, uh, Restaurant Alley down in Chantilly. That was the hot spot after church for Community Baptist Church members. Oh, many a night we sat around the tables in Wendy's till late in the night enjoying fellowship together. Phone calls, cards, letters. Remember? You remember? Do, Do you remember in the recesses of your brain what a card or a letter is? Anybody remember those? Church can be a place where you walk in. Sit down, sing, pray, listen to a sermon, and rush home to wait till next week. And that's what church is. And you know, when that becomes church to a strong percentage of the members, the atmosphere is cold. When church is just a place I go, a box I check to get something for me, a sermon, some inspiration, and go home. Or church can be the culmination of a week spending time with people, working on projects together that calls me to care about people and think about people and pray for people. And church doesn't become a place I go To sit in a room with people I've not even talked to or thought about all week long. But when church becomes a place where I spend time together with my friends, the atmosphere changes. It's different. Years ago, I was talking to my brother Sam. He's one of the pastors up at Valley Forge in Pennsylvania. He and I were talking about this theme. It wasn't this sermon, but we were talking about this theme. The atmosphere of church and personal relationships. And the trend that was growing of people just popping in and going home, popping in and going home. And my brother Sam says, you know, Mike, it's something like, can you imagine if if, if a family circle all got together for Thanksgiving meal? At the grandparents' house. All the brothers and sisters and cousins and everyone's coming over to grandma and grandpa's for Thanksgiving meal. Can can you imagine that that, uh, meal times at one o'clock... And so, uh, so the family starts arriving at about nine. Oh, they're setting up the table and they're arranging the chairs and, and some of the women are in with grandma in the kitchen helping get everything ready and the guys are out, uh, throwing horseshoes out in the backyard and sitting on the porch and, and they're just hanging out and finally they get up to about one o'clock and, and, uh, and they all gather into the, 
the house and around the table and they pray and they sit around and they eat and they talk and they eat and they talk and they eat and they talk and they sit around the table and hang around and finally someone gets up and stretches and some of the ladies start clearing the table and they start cleaning up and, and washing the dishes and cleaning up. The guys are moving chairs back and tables and out on the porch shooting the breeze and playing some games and all along about 6 o'clock in the evening, someone says, well, you know, I need to be getting home. And, and so the, the family starts to go home and it's been, it's been the big Thanksgiving family. But imagine, my brother said, if there was one part of the family that at 15 minutes after 1 o'clock, the car pulled into the driveway. You know, the, the people that show up at church 15 minutes after the service starts. You, you with me? Pull in 15 minutes after 1 o'clock. The, the, everyone's around the table already eating. And so someone has to get up and go get a couple more chairs. They've got to make room. And they, 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 they get them situated around the table. And so they're having a great time. And they're, they're eating and enjoying the meal. And, and, it's, and it's starting to, they're, they're getting close to the end of eating. You know, dessert is kind of not far away. And, and this particular part of the family are watching their watches. See what time it is. And, and about ten minutes before it's over, ten minutes before the dessert comes out, they jump up and they say, well, we got to go. we got things to do. we got to go. And they grab the kids and they grab their coats and they rush out and they go home. My brother said, you know, some people come to church because there's a relationship they have with the people there. They hang out and they talk and they enjoy one another because there's something there that binds them together. To other people, it's just a building and an event on the calendar. And they pop in late and they leave early because it's not a relationship. The key to a healthy church is the atmosphere. It's the temperature of the church family. And the temperature of the church family is the result of time. And emotions and mind and prayer that takes a group of diverse people and molds them into a unit that is existing for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they have a strong, healthy relationship together as a group of people. To the missionary named the Apostle Paul, the ministry was people. And he's getting ready to write a group of people who are very meaningful to him. Who are his partners. And he's going to share with them some strategic strategies and nuances of church life that will enhance the health of this church family. And you read about it from chapters 1 through chapter 4. Precious letter. The ministry was people. Paul made a commitment to people. By the way, when you read the letters God used the Apostle Paul to write, don't skip over the way he ends the letters. You'll almost always find a bunch of names. He was committed to people. Especially in the book of Colossians. Man, he listed a bunch of people from the church at Colossae. He was committed to people. Because he was committed to people, 
He prayed for them because he was thinking about them. And the reason he was thinking about them is because he loved them. The reason he loved them is because they were bound together in a common enterprise. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Great missionary treatise that promoted healthy church life and the key to effectively accomplish our purpose. What is our purpose? Our passion is to know God and to make Him known in our community and around the world. You know, as I was thinking this year about this passage of Scripture and this this truth from Philippians 1, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and thinking about how he had planted this church. And then he had gone to other places and planted other churches and then wrote this letter. And I got to thinking about Chris and Erica Sisler. I was thinking about all the time they spent investing in the lives of other members of Community Baptist Church. How their lives were integrated into the warp and woof of the existence of this church family. And kind of like the Apostle Paul, they were committed to the people in Community Baptist Church and built deep, lasting bonds with this church family. And then they did something similar to what Paul did. They left and went to another part of the world to preach the gospel and plant churches. And when Chris and Erica left, they knew that they were cutting themselves off from the ability to spend significant time with the individual members of Community Baptist Church. And they knew that that would come with a price. And we talked about it on different occasions. And he knew that it was going to be hard to maintain the emotional closeness with the people that he loved so many thousands of miles away. And over the years that they've been in Uruguay, a significant portion of who was Community Baptist Church when he was at the heart of Community Baptist Church, no longer live in Northern Virginia. And in their place are many of you who never met Chris and Erica Sisler, who never spent time with them, who didn't see Chris come as an unsaved teenager, see him get saved and called to preach and come on staff and serve and work and labor. And some of you didn't spend the time that built the emotional attachment that put them on your minds and in your prayers as a natural flow of progression. Chris and Erica have had a hard time with the reality of that over the years that they've been gone. But like the Apostle Paul, they try to keep in contact when they come and visit and through correspondence, and through every means possible, because they love Community Baptist Church. And they long to be here. They wanted so much to be here next week. 
from COVID. We were going we were going to pay to bring them here. But COVID international flights, it just it didn't happen. The atmosphere of the church is important to our effectiveness. Let's be committed to people. Let's be committed to spend time with people. To get involved in ministries with people. To give ourselves to further the gospel with other members of CBC. And build the kind of an atmosphere that the Philippian church had that was so vital to their effectiveness. Because the ministry really is all about people.